show for the record real men use a machete not an outback steak knife <laughs> so for those of you who are into halloween the three of you you know what you can do sure um so you know tell us a little bit about how you made jason your own well i i, I was very fortunate to get the part and some of you may have heard the story but um i didn't watch the prior Jasons. I had no real concept. All I knew was I was supposed to be a monster. I was, you know, non-expressive with the exception of power and force, but I couldn't yell, couldn't raise an eyebrow. It was just a mask. So with that being said, I am still 6'3", 250 even today. So three decades ago, I was probably a little more cocky than I am today. I probably walked a little more cocky. Yeah, probably not the same, <laughs> but with a little force. So for me to get the part, it was just pure luck. And when, once I got the part and I went down to meet Frank Mancuso Jr. and Tom McLaughlin, Michael Nomad, the stunt coordinator, from that point on, it really was history. Um, they gave me a job, they told me to go out what to do, and I did it. Um, the, the interesting thing is I had never done a stunt in my life. I had never been to stunt school, let alone been on a, a stage. So it was more just for me, improv, OJT, on the job training. Uh, here's what we want you to do, and here's what I want you to do forcefully. And, I need you to go through that wall, or I need you to take that person and tear their head off, or I can do that. <laughs> and, you know, fortunately, I think we did a good job. Did a great job. And um, you were not the original choice for that film, is that correct? Mm -hmm. but originally, again, going back to what I just said a moment ago, I wasn't a stuntman. So they did select a stuntman, and if, a lot of people always say uh, the one scene that's still in there from the prior person is the paintball. It hits the midsection. Most people will say, oh, he's wearing padding. Me, in other words. It's a little thicker than me, that person was, uh, size-wise. So that wasn't padding, it was just a little bit bigger person, but it was shot in the daytime, and that scene had already been shot, and it was already on tape, so they went ahead and kept it because it was such a short figure of being in the film. And uh, what was a particularly memorable scene for you to shoot? Whether it was challenging, fun, what was something that was really memorable? The first scene for me, the very, very first scene that I did, just so you know, meaning you may not, you know, you may or may not know, but when they shoot a film, it's shot out of sequence. It's, you could be shooting the last day, the first day, and the first day in the middle of the week. And But the first scene where uh, I step into POV, point of view, side frame, I turn and look at the motorhome that's rocking, and I tilt my head and start walking towards it. That's my very first scene, just so you know. First time they said action, first time I was in the wardrobe, first time I'd ever done anything, you know, historically when it came to being quote unquote an actor or a stuntman. So for me, that will be the memory that I have. Now, um, Jason, and when you think of Jason, you know, when we all do, some we all have different images. Like there's like usually one iconic image per movie that we envision when we think about that movie. Um, what is yours? For me personally, it's Jason standing on top of the motorhome. You know, do you have like one like frame of film where you just 
You know, when, again, being my first film, I don't know if I have one frame that I can, you know, put a finger on and say, duh, that's it. Because mm -hmm. uh, everything was cool to me. I mean, I'm coming out of the motorhome on top. I'm trying to make sure I step out with one leg and not fall over when I get to the top, uh -huh. you know, because it was a step out from deep. They put a few boxes together so I could step up one, two, three, and the last step was quite a distance, but I had to make it look like I was coming out from the bottom mm -hmm. without falling over. Um, going through the, the wall on the side of the uh, cabin, it was about a 12 inch drop after I stepped out and broke through the wall. So I was trying to get that first leg down without being wobbly or stepping on some of the wood and going down and looking like a nerd. Um, going through the wall, uh, the door was interesting because they had a big four foot fan behind it. So when I hit it, it exploded into pieces oh. basically. But when you hit something like that going through the door or the wall, there's a moment of darkness. You don't see anything. It's The power is breaking, but until it actually opens up, you're actually just kind of with your eyes closed and you're kind of hoping God help me get my foot down so you don't look stupid. Uh, and fall, two reasons. Number one, that means they gotta set it back up and there's a cost factor to reset it for another shot. But secondarily, uh, if you go down, it can hurt. Yeah. You know, I mean, right now, uh, we were just talking, I'm gonna get my hand surgery on my right knee in about a week. Um, the cartilage is gone. So if I had to step down on that step right now, forcefully, <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. Because as soon as I hit it, I'd probably go down and hit thump, 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 thump. <laughs> So if you want to mess with me, now's the time, because in about two weeks, I'm going to hurt you. And you've been involved with some fan films, right? I was fortunate. When I did this, I did a film called Highway to Hell. Um, I did a few national commercials. And then being as big as I am, I already knew the industry was not made for me. Uh, for those of you who know, Tom Cruise is 5'8", give or take half an inch. Um, 63250. So I kind of went back into the casino industry, in Las Vegas, and ran casino resorts for about 28 years. Then I retired about five, little over five years ago. When I retired, I still had a Screen Actors Guild card, so I was able to do a couple fan films. Um, I also did a film with Deborah Voorhees, uh, D. Wallace, Corey Feldman, Thirteen Fanboy that just came out mm, six months ago. Yeah. Um, I just finished Vengeance Two, George, two weeks ago, and then I just did a thing for in Malaysia. For a film and I just signed on to do another film as a, a red herring drifter and a recurring a, a role with the slice mm -hmm. so for me now I get to do things and every once in a while you know, I'll do a fan film for fun um, the ones that you get to do there are regular films are good too but yeah these people they call you all the time to do something and I don't mind if I can do it to help them because to me it's I got a break I got lucky it's always nice to play it forward so I do try to do my best with it. Vengeance 1, Vengeance 2, uh, 13 Fanboy was not necessarily a fan film. It was uh, a SAG film. Uh, it went to Prime Video and distribution as such. Um, someone just said they saw it on Showtime a couple weeks ago. So happy for Deborah Voorhees yeah. uh, with her production company to get it out there. Uh, but you know, we'll see. I mean, if something comes up, if I can do it, you know, if it's in my time frame, I'll do it. Um, I do kind of say I'm retired. Um, I do have a ranch. I live in Montana. I've got horses and uh, alpacas and bees. So, you know, um, I do wear cowboy boots and there's probably horse shit on the bottom of them. <laughs> uh, so, but if I can get out and do it, same thing with the shows. There's so many shows. I try not to do too many a year. Um, I don't want to wear my welcome out with the bands, you know, but I also want to go out and have fun. I get to meet everybody and kind of answer the questions about a historical figure that's become iconic. You can never wear out your welcome no. with us. We love you. We all love you. It's true. I want to talk about Vengeance, uh, playing Elias Voorhees. How did you get involved in that? Yeah, the film that uh, they did, uh, Vengeance won about yeah. two years ago. Yeah. And they called me, a gentleman named Jason Brooks was going to produce and direct, and he was also going to play Jason. But they wanted to put a twist into it. Elias Voorhees has been in the comics, but never been on the screen. So. What they did for me is, he, Jason's about the same size as me, eye to eye, we look at each other. So I grew a beard for four or five months. I mean, big old beard, and they put this stringy wig on me, kind of looked like an outs, woodsman, so to speak. Long leather jacket, and you know, became Elias Voorhees. So it's kind of cool, the reason I took the part was I get to be the first person to, image-wise, create Elias Voorhees. So if they ever do it into a mainstream film, they still look right to go, gee, well, CJ. You know, so it's kind of nice to go, you played Jason, but you also played Daddy. Yeah. Now, part two just finished up. That's gonna have some interesting scenes in it. Um, I won't give them all away, but there are some some people in there, including Steve Bash's grandson. Yeah. 
is in there <coughs> playing little Jason, which is a throwback to Steve, respectfully. Uh, you know, there'll be some other people that I won't put on tape that are going to be in there that you're going to go, oh, nice. They really I'd rather be surprised, honestly. Yeah, they got some good people, and it's, it's got a good theme to it. I think they're, they've done a better job, in my opinion, than part one. I think yeah. part one was their, you know, their first one, and now they really understand how to connect the dots. Right. Yeah. In playing Jason, you know, what's something you've learned that was important, whether that was a skill or something you learned about acting or even something you've learned about life? Well, you know, when I did the Jason thing, you know, I was still in my early 20s, mid 20s. And, you know, you all have a little bit different opinion when you're younger. Like, who cares? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as you get a little older, you appreciate it. And now that we're three decades into it, I had no idea, iconically, that it would become the brand it is uh, worldwide. And I, I, I use this as an example. Uh, you know, there's 1.3, 1.4 billion people in India. Uh, you show them a picture of Tom Cruise, they all say Tom Cruise. You show them a picture of C.J. Graham, but you show a picture of Jason Voorhees, probably 13. Mm -hmm. They know that hockey mask. They know that character. Yeah. Um, so to be part of an iconic image that's carried through decades, about four decades now, if you go all the way back to Ari, who played number one, uh, for me, it's just an honor. Unexpected um, appreciation and very humble to be here. And I always say, you know, uh, Kane's done a great job. Ken's done a good job. Derek, of course. I look at all the different gentlemen that have played uh, Jason over the years, and they've all contributed to the factor. And we have our little rivalry between each one of us. And you know, I always say this about somebody and I say this about somebody or Michael Myers uses an Outback steak knife, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I know all the guys. Uh, you know, I know Tyler Maine, I know Tony, I know people that have done the different parts, Rob Ringland. Uh, you know, it's kind of nice to be doing a show and sit next to Alice Cooper. And, and the funny thing is, true story, Alice Cooper, uh, I went to the military 48 years ago uh, 49 years ago, my first concert was Alice Cooper. Welcome to my nightmare is what it was called. And I remember seeing him in concert when I was 16. And then to be able to work with him 10, 12, 14 years later, and I still see him today and do photo ops with him. It's kind of an honor. Yeah. He's a lovely person too. Oh yeah. He's, uh, you know what, I met him and his wife and he's as down to earth as anybody can be. I mean, he's just a real person like us. And would you consider yourself a horror fan? And if you are, what are some of the movies that you like? There are other movies besides Friday the 13th Part 6. I thought there was only Part 6. I get the question, which one of the Friday the 13th is my favorite? I go, there's only one of them, Part 6. Uh, you know, I'm old school. Again, I'm a little older than everybody in here. I can tell that right now. I'm 65, so I got y'all beat. Um, I'm more of a Universal uh, Studios, well, you know, the old black and white Frankenstein, Dracula, you know, those are my era, you know, I love those, still do, and I think some of those characters going back to Friday the 13th where Tom McLaughlin had said he wanted to come back to life like Frankenstein, and then as the, the dots connected in the brain cell, he started thinking, as Frankenstein did with the little yeah. girl, yeah. with the daisy, there was a curiosity factor, you never know if he killed the girl, do you? You just yeah. assume he didn't or not, but the, the dots are being connected. And when we did the Jason, that was the same concept. <laughs> um, so, you know, what do you think um, makes a really strong physical performance? Because Jason is so physical, how do, you, how do you kind of bring that character to life without dialogue? Yeah, a lot of people, you'll all say, well, you don't say anything. How easy is that? I challenge anybody to go stand in front of the mirror right now, put a mask on, or put an eyeliner over your face, or just stand there and Botox the shit out of your face so you can't make any expressions. And I want you to show anger, curiosity, frustration, oh, yeah. power. Yeah. You know, you really gotta do some things. And, and it's like I've told people, um, it isn't easy. You know, I can sit up here and I can just be talking like, hey! people jump. But I can't do that as Jason. You gotta just turn ever so lightly and tilt your head ever. And I don't mean tilt your head like this. It only takes that quarter inch to get that message across. Um, it's interesting. You really got to try to work it. Um, it's no different than coming out of the military. I always walk with authority because 30 inches all around as you're walking. Um, it's still my natural walk. Well, I might limp a little bit right now with my knee, but it's still my natural walk. But a lot of people don't realize that that was just a natural, when you walk into a room and you're 6'3", people do recognize you. It's unfortunate sometimes because they all want to fight you. Um, but they do say, hey, there's a big guy over there. Um, the Jason character worked out well for me because of my natural walking ability. 
and just the turning. I'm not real animated about things. I, it's not my thing. I'm just kind of laid back, and I, I look, and I just I observe things, and Jason was just a character that I could fill the shoes easily without a lot of hard work. Yeah. Did you practice your mannerisms, like your body mannerisms in front of the mirror, look at it, see how it moved? Um, how long did that take you to, to think about and, and really develop before filming? Or was it an ongoing thing during filming? Actually, I, you know, I didn't ever watch myself in the mirror and thought about it, to be quite honest. I was just there to do a job. But as soon as you put that mask on, for those of you that have dressed up as Jason or Michael, <laughs> Sorry. Man, Mikey will eat anything. <laughs> or Michael, you will find that as soon as you put that mask on, you're different. For those of you that still wear a mask, you know, because of COVID, we all know when you put the mask on, you felt different. Yeah. You didn't think anybody knew who you were. Yeah. Be honest. Oh, great, you know, too. Like, <laughs> put your glasses on, you have to wear makeup, you know, my teeth are clean or not. I mean, you really feel different when you put that mask on. It's almost invisible to a point. And it's the same thing when you wear a hockey mask or a Michael Iron mask. Um, you really don't, you all of a sudden you sit up a little straighter, you know, your back goes up and all of a sudden your shoulders come back and it's just a natural, natural reaction when you're, when you really don't think people know who you are because you can hide behind that half that mask. And I, I remember when I wore a mask all the time, I'd be wearing it going, I don't think, you know, I, during the time I was shooting Vengeance, I had this big old beard. And I probably looked like a dirty old man or something because it's silver as can be, right? And it was like three, four inches long. And all you could see is it sticking out the sides on the airplane. <laughs> you know, but when you do put a mask on, you put sunglasses on, for those who wear sunglasses, like this dude, you know, as soon as you put them on, like, hey, nobody can see me. Checking up her dress, but you can't tell. Right? Am I right, though? It's just a true factor, so it's interesting when you say it like that. Yeah, yeah. And who are some of them? Who are some of your greatest inspirations? That can be personal. It can be people you look up to. Who inspires you most? Well, I'm, I'm a little different than most. I'm kind of an independent contractor, so to speak. Um, I never had a daddy. Died when I was three. Uh, so when people use an excuse of a parent, I don't want to hear it. You know, that's bullshit. You didn't have one, you didn't have one, move on. Um, I also had a daughter that OD'd a few years ago. I don't wanna hear your bullshit about that either, move on. I had a little brother who got killed, 84-ish. I don't wanna hear that. Guys, I understand everybody departmentalizes differently, but you gotta move on. So I've always been a little harder, maybe it's because of the military, you know, way back when. You departmentalize everything and you move on is what I've always done. Um, but as far as people I looked up to, I kind of just modified things that I wanted to do. Um, I was never a person that wanted to just make a little bit of money when I was working. I wanted to make a lot of money. That was my goal. I didn't want to be just working at a casino. I wanted to be the chief operating officer, the president of the casino resort. So I worked up till I was the president and the chief operating officer of multiple casinos in my 20 years in the casino industry. Um, so I always had very far of goals that I gave of myself. Good, bad, or indifferent, but I did. Uh, but it also gave me a chance five years ago that I could retire, run a spreadsheet, well, I'm okay, I'm not rich, I'm not poor, how much is enough? And I always tell everybody, life is a number. How many houses you want? How many can you afford? <laughs> how many cars you want? How many can you afford? Or keep working. How many children do you want? How many can you afford? <laughs> you know, people just, then you start thinking it's very simplistic. So I used to teach my executives three things, qualify, quantify, simplify. Why does it gotta be complicated? So inspiration, I would look up at people, and I'd watch people with all their MBAs and their PhDs, and I'm like, oh, you're goofy. Um, I'm very proud to say I have a high school diploma right next to my four-year honorable discharge from the military. Uh, you know, to give or take 2,500 employees when I was running casino resorts, give or take $100 million payroll, give or take a half a billion in revenues. So, I mean, if I can do it with a high school diploma, you know, it's not brain surgery. It's common sense, use it. Watch the people around you that make errors and learn from their errors. Mm -hmm. It's the same educational value as sitting in a classroom and being taught black and white out of a book. But once you learn it, you gotta apply it. Application is different than learning. You know, um, I always say dictatorship is easy because anybody can be a dick. <laughs> Leadership takes time and patience and you really wanna sit down and make eye contact and make sure everybody's, there's a connection with everybody when you're talking. So when you two folks are late, 
Did you bring a note? Thank you for your service, too, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Long time ago, 48 years ago. Doesn't matter. Still, yeah, thank you. We're old. Um, so let's turn it to the audience. Does the audience have any questions for Jason up here? Kane who? People go to me, people, because Kane and I are, uh, you know, I will say, and, and, and my, my friend Steve used to always get mad at me, Steve Bash, why do you give Kane so, well Kane did four, to be fair. He's been a great ambassador of the franchise. Man is out there every weekend doing conventions. I couldn't do it, I'll be honest with you. I can barely do five or ten a year, you know, like, and, and, and I don't do anything else. I mean. I got no excuse except I don't want to work that hard, you know? Um, you know, I'm stupid. I'll blow up the engine of my boat and I'll go do a convention and put a new engine in it. Yeah. But I've blown it up twice. That shows you how real stupid I am. <laughs> I didn't know you had to change the water pump. Well, <laughs> my point is, you know, I see the other guys. Um, but I will tell you, I do know them. I know, for instance, um, when I see RA, uh, you know, Leatherface, yeah. or I see Bill Johnson, or them, I always, Great to see him. Um, I've been to Texas at the gas station where they filmed, and you know they've got a big old uh, stool out there that's all made of metal. And you know me, I got to be sarcastic, so I run over the corner and tell him take a picture of me peeing on the building. <laughs> you know I got to leave my mark. <laughs> and they all know that I'm the clown of everybody because that guy don't mean any harm, but it would never hurt anybody's feelings intentionally. Doesn't mean you don't, you won't make a dumb decision. You know perception is reality. But I, I try not to ever hurt um, somebody. I don't use colors. I don't use nationalities, races. I tell, I don't care if you're purple, green, or blue. I don't care if you're from Pluto, Venus, or Mars. You got good people and bad people. You know, so I'm very neutralized about those things. Uh, but when they see me, yeah, I am big. Most people aren't going to challenge me or anything. But it's not my intent to hurt somebody's feelings. But yeah, if I if I see one of the guys out, like Tyler, um, I just talked to him last week. He just got his hips replaced. You know, I mean, he's been hurting really bad for a couple of years from all the stunts he's done. You know, he's a big man, he's like 6'6". Six, six. Um, so it just happens, you know, my cartilage is gone. Well, it's been hurting for a few years. I just finally manned up and went to the doctor. <laughs> I got tired of wrapping it every day. Oh, let me wrap it again. Let me put some ice on it. Let me just go to the doctor. Yes. So it took me a few years to get there. So. <laughs> I, that that speaks to my soul. I'm having a foot thing right now, and everyone's like, "How long has this been bothering you?" A few years, but it's only gotten real bad over the last few months. And they're like, "Why haven't you seen a doctor yet?" Oh, you know, it'll it'll go away. Well, it is. You know, when you have horses. They step on your foot. I would just put a piece of duct tape around it, just put my boot in it, and I'm good. Yeah. You know, a year later, they're going, "You know, we might want to take a." X-ray of that. Well, you got a little fracture. Well, figured that out. That's why I put the duct tape. But <laughs> <laughs> so when you go to the doctor, and you, I'm a vet, so I go to the VA, of course, right. and they're like, "Why do you have duct tape on your foot?" <laughs> <laughs> My horse wears horseshoes, and she weighs a thousand pounds, and she got me. Okay, well, can we take the duct tape off? I said, "Oh yeah, we can," you know. So it's getting better. It's still a little sore though, but yeah. Then when that one heals, they step on the other one. <laughs> Horses. They're big ass. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Any more out there? Come on, guys. I know it's a Sunday. There we go. Well, yeah. I guess um, the movies tend to be a little bit serious, so how do you keep it light on set? Are there any prank wars that you've pulled on people? Or? Well, I, I, you know, yeah, I can tell you. Let's pick on Kane Otter again. <laughs> <laughs> Is it we're recording, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. What's up? <laughs> Love you. Checks in the mail. So my brother Kane has a tendency to come down late. Look at everybody going, see that? Turn the camera on Kane, you see that? They go, yeah, he does. So gig starts at 11, here comes Kane at 12.30. All right, look at all the heads going, yeah. Well, what I'll do when he starts his line, I'll get up and walk over, and I apologize to the people in his line that he's constipated, and as soon as he gets his thing down, he'll be down. So they all giggle, and da 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 you know. He isn't down yet, so then I'll go and I'll sign a couple of my autograph pictures and put them into his. Oh. Okay. And then all of a sudden, somebody will, and I'll, you'll hear this, he calls me BJ. BJ! Asshole! Okay. <laughs> uh, one time we did a show, I won't say what show it was, but his, his table was right next to the door to the bathroom. 
So I got one of my pictures on the back of a cane's office with arrows. Threw <laughs> <laughs> it above the door, and finally somebody asked me, "Why is this in your office over there?" He didn't know it was up there. All <laughs> Love you, bro. <laughs> so we do have fun, but I, you know, it, and she's just this week. Um, we text each other. You know, um, we check on each other every few weeks. Same thing with all the guys. You know, I just I'll blurt out text. Hey, just checking on you. How's you doing? How's the family? You know, so it is a nice nice group of folks that we get to work with, including the actors and actresses uh, from the different films. That's nice, it's all a little family. Yeah. And you all keep in touch, even uh, the conventions I'm sure help. Yeah, they yeah. do. Social media help. helps when you lose touch with someone, obviously. Right. But um, that's nice, yeah. that's nice. Because you know, sometimes you're like, I hate them, like I really hate them. You know, they don't say it on stage, but they don't, they'll tell you off stage, and it's like, ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think, you know, from what I've seen, and again, I'm very honored to be with those folks. Um, these po folks have resumes as long as your arm compared to me. Um, you know, again, I ran Casino Resorts as the direction I went, but these folks have, have blood, sweat, and tears uh, with their acting and everything they've done in their stunts. So I, I have so much respect for them um, and what they've been through to get where they're at. I just, again, got lucky and fell into iconic image and. You know, again, sometimes luck prevails. And you know, um, speaking of families, the Khan family, you know, that the horror family, so supportive. Um, what what is what is it that you enjoy most about getting to interact with fans? Well, you know, when you ask a question, to you it's the first time you've asked the question, but to me it's the ten thousandth time I've heard the question. Mm -hmm. But I need to make sure that I look you in the eye and I give you an answer with full commitment and energy because what's your favorite kill we're all thinking it mm -hmm. well it's the sheriff and it's not because there's blood or guts it's because I get to break this dude's back in half like a chicken bone <laughs> my brother Kane he'll tell you his favorite is the sleep bag same concept break break no blood no guts but when you ask the questions for you it's the first time what's your favorite scene what's your favorite so we, I, I know for, I do for sure, I think all of us do, we wanna make sure that we interact this the first time. I mean, appreciate being here. You know, I'm only here because you allow me to be here. I remember that, all right? Um, so for me, it's a good time just to go out there and tell them, hey, you know, we did this, we did that. The interaction that we have between the different actors and actresses, again, to me, I'm very humble because I know they worked really hard to be here. And I've done a couple films and a few things, but I just got lucky. And that does happen, all right? Once you get the job, though, you got you can't just sit around. You've got to produce, otherwise they will reduce. It was simple. Produce or I'll reduce. Um, and I did, like I said, qualify, quantify, simplify. It becomes so simplified with things. Purple, green, or blue. Pluto, Venus, or Mars. You know that way you don't step on it. Ooh, poop. You know intentionally and, and hurt somebody's feelings or do something dumb that could be perceived unintentionally. Because I always tell perception is reality. Period. Doesn't mean what you said, doesn't mean what you meant. What the person perceived is what's going to be taken away from the conversation, unfortunately. Or fortunately. But you also learn to try to stay away from some of the, the verbs and the nouns that may be interpreted differently, uh, culturally. You know, um, I don't expect everybody from Mars to, you know, hey, go in peace. You know, I don't think they're all going to get it. People from Mars start coming out of the moon or whatever. You know, that's going to be a different culture. So we got to learn to be different. My name is C.J. Graham. I'm running for governor, <laughs> and I approve this message. I haven't decided governor of what yet, but governor of something, maybe Mars. <laughs> governor of the Jasons. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Kane, Kane will let me do that. He knows. Well, it'll be a fight. It'll be a fight. Hey, we need to have an election. Yeah. A campaign? Yeah. yeah. I'm a campaign manager. <laughs> I do. I, I tell people all the time, I'm going to run for mayor. You know, I, I live in Montana. I'm going to run for mayor. They laugh at me and say, well, I got a lot, a lot of skeletons in the closet. They're all dead, but I got a lot of them. It's, it's all good. Don't worry about it. They're just a bunch of jerks. I mean, let's just be honest right out the big gate, and then we can move forward, you know? Yeah. Uh, any more out there? Um, when did you decide you wanted to get into acting? I didn't. You did. No, truly. I mean, that's why I said it was luck. I was running a nightclub in Los Angeles, um, Monster Club, you know, 15,000 square feet, 1,800 people on a Friday night. I mean... You know, it was seriously a big club. And I had a hypnotist on Thursday nights that brought in a production company to shoot a scene with the hypnotist of the subjects on stage. And the people that 
uh, came in to shoot it said, hey, why don't we put CJ's big ass in <laughs> Ted White's wardrobe because we did the special effects for part four. And I was like, sure, I don't, I mean, what's the big deal? So when I came through the screen and broke apart, um, the people from Real Effects, it was called, they just kind of looked at me and said, God, man, I mean, he's just standing there like on top of the motorhome and he doesn't even do anything. He's given the impression that we're looking for. They said, we're gonna cast you for Jason. I said, ha ha, whatever. And I meant that, ha ha, whatever. Um, three months later, I got a call to go down and make Frank Mancuso Jr. at Paramount Studios and everybody, and really the rest is history. So it was not my intent. Uh, they gave me a, a Screen Actor Guild card. They Taft Hartley me into the union, which I didn't know what that meant, um, which means they paid a fine to put me into the union to shoot me. And then I got a union card, which I didn't know what that meant either. Then when I got back, I went to work for Jackie Collins. You may recall Joan Collins' uh, sister. Jackie owned a private nightclub in Beverly Hills called the Original Tramp of London with her and her husband, Oscar Lerman, which when I say members only, you had to go through two locked doors to get in. So Prince would come in and go to table 43 in the club. Stallone would come in and go to table five. Two bottles of Crystal, two blondes, two bodyguards. You know, Tom Jones would come in with his son who was his manager, go to the bar. It was that type of real quiet, private, private. Um, one of the managers that came in there from the movie industry asked, well, what are you doing with that second card? He go, nothing. So he will I'll manage you and we'll send you out for a few of the functions, which Highway to Hell came and some actual commercials came. Um, so it was just, again, spontaneous, luck, um, timing, good aura, maybe. I wish I could tell you a big old war story about how I got beat up last night at a bar and killed all these bikers. And I was a badass, man. You know, it's like, I mean, and it's a true story I always tell people because people go, how'd you hurt your knee? And it's kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you anyway. At least they turn the camera off. But everybody, I don't, I'll edit it out if you want. No, nah, it's not. Uh, they always say, well, how'd you hurt your knee? You know, uh, was in, the, in the military? Was it a bar fight? Were you Hell's Angels? What was it, right? <laughs> well, if, if those of you that know me, if you did put Google, put C.J. Graham Chippendales, you'll find that I was in 1987 in Culver City. Yeah, and I came off a rail like this, and mm -hmm, it popped. You know what I was wearing, not a hell of a lot, but it popped. <laughs> and I remember hearing it in my head pop, you know, and it's been in pain ever since 87. So little by little, it's wore out. But yeah, I tell people, they always, they'll come and say, how come you don't have any of those pictures and cuffs and collars? I go, well, because I don't look like that anymore. And I was like 27. Uh, and I was kind of like, well, it's kind of odd to go up to somebody and say, well, can I get you to sign this? But you look like that. No, I ain't gonna do that. But I do get people to come up with that. Now look at, she's over there printing it up. Look at it right there. You find it? Pull it, let's pull it up. Let's see what you find. Yeah, everybody's looking at you right now. Go to I was going to say, I'm sure the link. Come on, Challenge me. Go to Google. Put CJ Graham. And then put Chippendales. Then hit enter. And then share it with the class. It's the first thing that popped up, man. Look at, she's like, really? Who's the guy in the middle with cups and collars? Bang! Oh. You know, kid? I'm gonna put that out and have you yeah. sign next yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Next Beat your heart up, boys. Next con is on. Yeah. I, I get look. I mean, I'm blessed. I've had a great life. I mean that sincerely. I'm 65. I always tell people I'm on the last 10 percent of my life. Some people don't like to hear it, but it's true. Um, 70s is pretty normal for us to, you know, move on. But you know, to be in the military, I didn't have a lot as you, you heard me talk about, but to be in the military and go through this, go through Jason, go through uh, Chippendales. Um, I was there when, you know, the year Steve Banji, a year later, got uh, put to jail for killing an associate. He was the owner of Chippendales. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting. You get to Jason, you get to meet Alice Cooper, go through all those running casino resorts. Um, and I get to be in front of you, you know, 2022, and here we are. So I'm good, the last 10%, the first 90% of it, Awesome, and the last ten will be fine. Yeah, just fine. <laughs> I got nothing to complain about. You know, my wife keeps asking me, well, "Why do you?" Well, because I am. I'm a little older. I mean, I always say I don't look too bad on the outside, but the inside is broke. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. And she goes, well, what, "What do you want to be buried?" I said, "Well, she goes, what about the? We have a Yellowstone uh, National Military uh, Park, and you know, I have a right to be buried there with the white stone." And I said, "No, I don't want to do that. Just, just cremate me." 
to him, why don't you want to be buried? And I said, because some sicko will dig me up like Jason and try to bring me back to life. Think about that. If you knew Jason, look at, she's like, holy shit. There are some freakos out there like, hey, you know, Jason buried, let's dig his ass up to sight priest. Electrical, and see what, what they would do. So just create my ass. Just create my ass. I'm good. Put me on the back. We have a ranch. Put me on the back 20. I'm good. You know, so this girl's like, oh, yeah. He's right. You know what I'm saying, though? Because somebody would do it. Yeah. I mean, I can just see it now. National headline Jason Lori's dug up, body missing, and a spear left in it, right? Oh, man. It's, it's, life is tough. <laughs> So, I want to know more about Highway to Hell and that production. How was that? I did a Highway to Hell in 90, okay. and um, the unfortunate thing is um, the company Hempdale bankruptcy a couple of weeks before distribution. Um, so, it never made it to the national. I mean, it was ready to go to the theaters. I still have actually like 10 of the original posters for the theater distribution that they had mailed me. Um, but unfortunately, it bankruptcy. The nice thing is, you heard of Ben Stiller? He's got about 90 seconds in it. His mom and dad are in it, his sisters in it. Uh, Chrissy Swanson, the original Buffy the Vampire. Uh, Chad Little, Rob Lowe's younger brother. Patrick Virgin plays the devil who was opposite of uh, Julia Roberts, Sleeping with Enemy. Uh, so it's got a, a good cast character and it had some foundation. Uh, Kevin is in it. Kevin was the first original Predator. Um, he's passed away since yeah. then. Uh, but it was just one of those films that could have been, that just didn't get the distribution. Then a couple years back, uh, United Artists MGM bought the library, and now it's out there. You can go to Walmart online and buy it. You know, um, so it's out there, and people find out they're like, "Oh my God, you were Hellcop? I didn't know." Yes, it's, okay. it's a very wild film that it had potential to have a little bit of a, a repeat, but unfortunately, bankruptcy sealed it, and that's where it stayed. It's also streaming on Tubi right now. For those of you who don't like physical media, I don't know why, but don't want to buy a DVD. It is streaming for free right now on Tubi, so you have zero excuses not to see this film because it's worth your time. And it's a simple, it's a, you know, Hell Cop doesn't yeah. talk. It's the same, it's just me. Me and my silly badass. I just don't, I look, I just kick ass and take names. Yeah. Um, so there are some similarities, but when I say Ben Stiller, people go, what? Yeah, he's in it for like nine seconds. He's cooking an egg on the sidewalk. You know, what's he getting out? 20 million? Oh, well. You got lucky. <laughs> you got lucky. So, but that's just one of those things. It's like um, you get to do some fun things in your career and you get to look back and go, hmm. And then, of course, I'm sure you got a couple flops here and there you don't want to talk about. And I've heard some people talk about, oh, we don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but it happens. You just can't, you can't hit a home run every time. And Jason, Friday the 13th was a home run. So how lucky am I? You've gotten to do a lot of different things. Is there anything in particular you're most proud of? You know, I, I mean, I've got, you know, I've got a son, you know, he's 27, <laughs> I've got a daughter, she's 25 and 23. Um, they, uh, I got married 12 years ago, so they were just 12 and 10 when I picked up the two girls. And, you know, they're, they're all doing well. You know, one's got a beauty salon, one works at a bakery, and the boy, he's a, a GM of a couple of dispensaries. Um, that's his thing. And, you know, I'm proud of them, mostly because they've been successful. You know, it didn't go to their head that I was Jason. The girls used to tell their mom, tell Siege, don't tell the boys he was Jason because they won't come over. <laughs> so, but the girls are proud. The boy doesn't talk too much about it. Let's just, hey, can you give me an autograph from your dad? Like, All right. He's, you know, he's a guy. He's cool. Under, you know. Be now, cool, man. Be cool. It's cool. But the girls are pretty cool. But, you know, being that, I mean, there's a lot of things you could sit down. But, you know, I've been successful, um, fortunately. So, and I got nothing to complain about. That's why when I sit there and talk about the last 10%, I'm happy. You know, I mean, if I had something to complain about, why? You know, I don't have a right to complain, though. You know, I really don't. So uh, I retired five years ago by choice. It was, do I want to sign another contract or do I want to, like I said, I ran a spreadsheet for 20 years. And I knew, I knew I'd never lived 20 years, but I ran a spreadsheet. Um, like I said, my dad died when he was 40 in 1960. So he died of heart failure. So it, it's hereditary. So I mean, my time is whatever. So I don't worry about it. You know, um, what are you going to say? Just have fun. <laughs> right? But I stayed up all night with you young folks to three o'clock at the bar. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right? All right? And I, and the alarms go off. I didn't get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, move out. Go downstairs. I ain't doing it. 
I'm going down in the building, you know. So y'all got up and went downstairs. I didn't do shit but lay there and say, turn the freaking alarm off. Because I know those alarms, okay? Running yeah. casino resorts. I can't yeah. tell you how many times they go off. Yeah. I ain't getting up. I ain't going to do it. I hear people in the hallway. It's going to die right here. <laughs> Jason died in a fire at Days of the Dead. I figured it was something like Crown Plaza O'Hare. See? I'm looking for that exit. <laughs> You're still cremated. Thank you. We do have time for one, possibly two more. If anyone else has one. No? You guys want to know? Oh, right, yes. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, the uh, makeup for Highway to Hell, how long did that take? Five hours. Wow. That was back in, um, give or take, it was 88, 89 when we were doing that, shooting it, and MTV was still pretty fresh, and I'd sit there, I'd get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'd sit there in the makeup chair and fall asleep because everything was glued onto my head, my nose, my lips, everything was glued on. I didn't eat lunches because my lips were all glued on, and if I'd eat, the oils would get in between, so I'd have to like drink shakes for lunch. Um, so it was pretty intense. Uh, and the, the character was great. I mean, the nice thing about it is I didn't know why I did it, but I took a lot of pictures behind the scenes or I had people do it for me. Um, so I, I have a lot of behind the scenes of both Jason and uh, Highway to Hell. So some people say, hey, can you send me a picture of something? They want a picture like the mask up close. And I'll send, I've got pictures of all the different masks. I mean, I have a mask. So I can try to help them when they're recreating something, a replica. Um, and if they want to see the mask up close, I have pictures of what it looked like up close so they can get a better visual on it. Because there are a lot of artists out there trying to recreate replicas, and if I can do anything to play it forward and help them, then I do. Or the most authentic product, absolutely, right? Right. So. Not just any old hockey mask, all the small details, all the injuries that mask got throughout the years. So, but I, I will tell you if you want to hear a real morbid story, just a sick one. Yes, please. Yeah, look at everyone's going, yeah. <laughs> well, I figured you'd appreciate this. So, you heard me say my dad died in 1960. I was three. So, you think about that. Now, he was buried up in Seattle. And every once in a while, every 10 years, I might go up there to visit a friend from high school and just, hey, what's up? I'll go by uh, Green, Memorial Green, it's called. Same place where uh, Jimi Hendrix is buried, which I didn't know until a few years ago. Saw this big old monument. Say, hey, who's that? I'm stopping at Jimmy Hendrix. But so my dad was buried there in 1960. Um, mom died, brothers died, all these people died around me. Everybody's cremated. You know, I'm saying, okay, now where am I going to put all these cremations? I'll just put them on my ranch. Then I thought, well, am I going to leave my father's body up there because nobody visits a man? So I had it exhumed. True story. And I had him cremated and sent to me. Um, when they sent his cremations to me about four years ago, they also sent me his wedding ring. So his wedding ring that I have on was on a dead body, obviously, since 1960. And on the inside, it has uh, the wedding date and my mom and my dad's initials. Kind of weird, huh? But I thought, you know, people go, really? You weren't? It was on a dead? I don't think that's weird at all. I think that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. But I mean, I had no idea that his wedding ring was still on when, when I had him cremated, but they were so honorable and honest. They, yeah. hey, by the way, he was still wearing his wedding ring, so we put it into a container. When you get it, make sure you don't misplace it. So. That's, that's beautiful, actually. Yeah. So, that's not so good homage to your phone. Dead talking to the dead. <laughs> no, I love that. That's amazing. Anyone else? No? All right. Last chance. Last call. Hey, thank you, everybody. I need this. Oh, you oh yes. One? I knew that he had one more. I knew it. Um, how do you feel saying all the merchandise and stuff with, like, Friday the 13th and Jason on it? Is it cool to you, you know? You know, it, it's amazing. I mean, I had no idea. I mean, you know, it's not like I'm selling Barbies, but I see a lot of action figures out there that are Jason related. A lot of them that are part six related. Um, I saw a gentleman that showed me a picture of his aquarium and he went to uh, Covington to the lake and got some big rocks out of it, cleaned them and put them in the bottom of his aquarium. And then he got the part six Jason chained down in his aquarium that you could buy at Walmart. And this aquarium is really cool. I mean, it's, but it's got the real rocks uh, from the actual lake. And I thought that was pretty cool. So as far as, it's too bad they haven't taken advantage of it. You know, Mr. Miller and Mr. Cunningham have had some difficulties over the years. If I understand it correctly, Mr. Miller has won the last two. So I think technically it's over, even though you could appeal 60 million times. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's too bad that they're, the thing I think I would always say is, again, running casinos, 
at it from a business perspective. Don't forget who puts you in this position to argue about money. The fans. If they want to flip that switch off, then you ain't, it doesn't matter who's got rights, you're going to get no money, right? So I wish they would go ahead and do it. And if it was me, if I was in charge, again, I look at everything as a business. Uh, I'd get Derek Mears, who did the last one. He's still young. You know, I mean, King could probably do it. You know, I the physicality is pretty tough. I mean, I used to tuck and roll. Now when I hit the ground, I go thump. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I, I probably have everything to do, but I don't know if I, I, I would look at it. I might be able to, but I'm not sure. Um, but if you get like someone like Derek or somebody, I'd, I'd shoot three of them in a row. Three different directors, three different scripts, they're all connected, and shoot each production, bang, 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 get one out, shove the other two, use the same Jason for characteristic purposes, mm -hmm. use different directors for different connectivity as far as, but make sure they all have similarities. I think we've all learned a lot since Harry Potter and how things can be put together universally rather than just shoot from the hip. And I would, I'd put one out, and every 18 months I'd release one over the next three years, and I, what, 200 million, maybe? 250 million? It's just sitting there waiting for them to take. You know, they can fight about it, you know, when one of them dies, <laughs> but get the films out, you know, yeah. so the fans yeah. can continue to, you know, enjoy them. Or chopping at the bit for those, man. Yeah. Come on. But yeah, I, I, you know, I, I know Tom McLaughlin has written a new one. Uh, I love back, him. Yeah. And Tom. I, I mean, I know little bits of it. And he's had communication, asked me a bit on a, a podcast if um, if I had the physicality, he'd like to see me do it again. Um, and like I've said, if I could deliver a product as good or better than part six, I'd entertain it. But if I couldn't, I wouldn't do it. I don't want to be the NBA player that came back and delivered crap. But and I do, like I said, you know, when I get bucked off a horse now, it's not a tuck and roll; it's a thump. <laughs> um, trust me, I've been put on a, on the, the rails a couple times, and it, it hurts. You lay there and kind of like. Everything is still working. That doesn't mean I'm going to get up, but everything is still working. Uh, so tuck and roll is easy. Thump hurts. I can't tuck and roll anymore. I'll be honest, I can't. You know, like I, was, I giggle and tell people, because I am 65, I can probably still whoop 6 or 7 out of 10. But I always tell you, if, you, if I whoop you, it's going to be embarrassing because you got your ass kicked by a senior citizen. <laughs> right? Now, if you're one of the three or four that beat me, it's embarrassing you beat up a senior citizen. Yes. <laughs> you ought to be ashamed. And it's a felony. <laughs> I got you the way. Dad, here's the one laughing. Damn, I can't wait till I hit that age. I'm going to roll that one out. Beat up a senior citizen, you got beat up by a senior citizen. Either way, it's embarrassing. Either way, you ain't telling nobody. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, thank you very much, everybody. I mean, this, uh, and I do say for everybody, all the Jasons and all the actors that we've dealt with, you know, we appreciate you guys, uh, and all the Jasons that I know, and even the Michael Myers, I like to pick on them, and you know, we wouldn't be here without you. And these shows have grown so immensely over the last decade. Um, it's very common, and the nice thing about them, going back to one of your questions, is the commonality that everybody has that comes to a show. I mean, again, purple, green, blue, Pluto, Venus, or Mars, everybody's having a good time. There's no judgment, no anything at these shows. You've got cosplayers, you've got horror players, you've got people walking around in suit and ties, and everybody has that commonality of they like horror. I've never seen a conflict in 20 years of a show. Never. Never. You know, everybody's just having fun and like checking out each other's costumes and taking pictures yeah. and smiling. And then Monday, you have to go back to the square world, you're yeah. bummed. In some cases, and you know, you had fun. You go unwound, relaxed, and ready to go back to work and find another find another day. It's like summer camp for us here. You know, we get to see each other once, twice a year if we're lucky at these events, and it's like <laughs> share some hugs, take some photos, right? Reuniting with all of your con family, <laughs> like these two up here, man. We're, we're like this now. But yeah, those two. Yeah, those two. when they were in their 18, 20 year old, they were smoking weed. <laughs> they were microdot asses. I still can tell. They're, they're, they're almost my age. Hey, we'll, we'll tell you. We were the ones standing in line Friday night at midnight to see that premiere Friday the 13th. See? The original. See that, that's the thing. Never like missed one. The Fridays in all of them. Every, every one of you comes up to me and says, I remember when my mom or my dad. And we saw this, and we saw that, or why was that the premiere? I remember when it came out, and everybody has a story. Or I snuck in and watched it when my dad said no back. Right? <laughs> and the, the first thing I say is, well, your dad's telling it. I go, no, but that's the memory they have. 
of watching on Friday the 13th with a parent or a brother or a sister. And they weren't supposed to do it. Yeah, or an uncle. So to me, it's just a pleasant thing. It's like, you know, you have a memory of it, yeah. positive. Yeah. And it's just, wow, I get to be part of that. It's pretty cool. Thank you, sir, very well, much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's hot July, my mind